0: So today I'm speaking on the Holy Spirit, um, and you can I really sense, at do nine o'clock, I don't know, it feels like it warms up the atmosphere, then you get to the eleven and you guys are feeding off whatever the nine o'clock pushed into. So, so I want to I ask started to just come up and pray for us, just because as we speak on the Spirit, you, w- you want the Spirit to, to move in our hearts. And uh, yeah, before I say anything, I think it'll be great if start prays for us.
1: And if we can just close our eyes. Holy Spirit, my friend, we love you, we trust you, and we invite you in this place, we invite you in this room, we know that you know each of our hearts, you know you created us, you know what we're facing, you go before us, you go ahead, and I ask Lord God that today you would Reveal yourself to these incredible people in this room, through Dan, through your word, by your spirit, God, that there would be no distractions in this place, but just a hunger and a desire to encounter you in your presence. And so we invite you, you are the most important thing in this room, you are the most important person in this room, and we yield our lives to you, in Jesus' name.
0: So we're carrying on with... Thank you, Star. That was amazing. Just really, add, you want to you want to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And even in the meeting, when Star prophesied of Ariel. It was like we're listening to what the Spirit of God is doing and saying. And we will unapologetically always be a Spirit-led church. We believe that God is alive, that it's not just about a Friday meeting and a, and a, and a case K-sermon and a good coffee. That's like such a small part of us living Spirit-filled lives. And and uh, We've been speaking a lot about vision. Starla spoke an incredible message a couple of weeks ago just about having a vision for your life. Um, we've been speaking about the vision of the local church, what we want to see, worship, etc. And for me, one of the things that sustains through all of that is being a spirit-filled people. Being filled with His presence. Being in love with the Holy Spirit That that is the part of the, tr- the Trinity. Uh, we can often be so good at worshipping the Father and the Son, and then we forget that there's another part of who God is. And uh, for those of you, it's your first time in church, the Trinity is, is, the, is the triune God. The Bible clearly describes that it's God three in one, uh, which blows people's minds. I don't think we're going to understand it until we even get to heaven. And even then, we're going to be like, wow, we're just going to be in awe and wonder, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And uh, I spoke just about um, that it's good to have a vision for your life. Be, be plugged into a local church, something bigger than yourself. Uh, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, where there is no vision, people perish and it's, those are all good things, but what i 've realized this is this is that you can have all the slogans you want in the world, and your vision pasted everywhere and it 's tattooed on people 's arms and stuff but if it 's not, not written on your heart through the Holy Spirit and the sustaining power of the spirit it 'll eventually fade off. What the world gives is great slogans the world gives slogans about you know like great visions for a company, and then it gets put on everyone 's computer if you 're part of a big corporate. But the Holy Spirit is the one that imprints God into our hearts and into our being. And, and, it, and He sustains us in the long term. And those of you who have been followers of Jesus for a while will know that there's times where you go through the dark night of your soul. Where you may question areas of your faith. Where it may be a little bit tough. And that's when you have to know like, there is the Holy Spirit that is in you, that is working with you, that is empowering you and, and in filling your life. And I've got a question before we start anything else: Is that is there more to your faith in Jesus that you've experienced thus far? So the way to kind of maybe that that is that do you know that there's more that God has for you? So it's probably the only rhetorical question I may ask. But is it do you know that God wants more for you? God wants more for your life. There's the unending ocean of His presence and His Spirit and His power that we can dip into. And one of the words Stalahad had is that there's a river flowing through this place, if we had to picture it. And it's our choice whether we step into the river. It's our choice whether we want to be filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. He's a gentleman. And He may come upon you in power and He may come upon you gently. But can I say this morning, can we just have this posture of surrendering to Him? Built into the human heart is the desire for more. It's, it's part of the, it's, it's the God factor. We know that there's always something missing. And those who have found Jesus have found, ah, we found the thing that's missing. And I believe that it's the infilling and empowering of the Holy Spirit that is, is the thing that's going to fill that void. Sigmund Freud said, famous psychologist, said that people are hungry for the love of God. Carl Jung, another famous psychologist, said, people are hungry for security. Alfred Adler, people are hungry for significance. So we're hungry for love, security, and for significance. They said it at different times. These incredible um, psychologists who've studied the human mind and the brain and feelings and, and the importance of feelings, they said those three things, love, security, and significance, is what people are looking for. And I believe this that it's through the empowering and an unfilling of the Holy Spirit that we can see those things fulfilled in our lives. is where that we're not so consumed with everything else that is happening outside of the world. In 2004, there was a guy called Patrick J. McGinnis, and he wrote in the Harbus, which is the Harvard Business School paper that they'd send out to, uh, about what is happening on campus. And, uh, and he coined the, the, the phrase or the, the two words, FOMO, we all know, fear of missing out, and another one is phobo, which isn't going to be used, but maybe after this preach, it's going to be used more frequently. Is that it's, So fear of missing out, and then FOBO is fear of better options. How much of that is Dubai? I'm, I'm kind of committed to coming to your birthday party or to church, but if something better comes along, I'm going to join into that thing. Because I do not want to miss out. So you have this combination of FOMO and FOBO that link together, and it begins to dictate our lives. And we, and we like, so we don't, we kind of half committal because, and then we go start to look on Instagram. We have this desire for more that God, I believe God puts in us. And then we look at where other people are traveling and we follow travel blogs and families who have these perfect looking kids and they just like, and they're all holding hands and they're in their costumes and, and you're like, oh yeah, and then you have Wanderlust. You're like, oh, I want to go live in Sri Lanka. I want to go live and surf all day. And I can tell you that that is all fake. I've said this so many times. It's not real. No matter what you say, those people are going through stuff. They are still trying to find peace. That is why they are traveling. And we've got friends um, that have left the church and have come back and they, they're on this like, incredible like, tour of the world. And they're saying, it's amazing to travel to all these places, but there's still, the thing that's missing is what we actually find when we're in the local church. What we find in Jesus Christ. What we found in having purpose, there's a need in people's hearts to have purpose. And I can tell you that the cause of Jesus Christ is the only place that you're going to find true purpose in your life. It is the only place that you can pin everything to and you know that it's it's outside of yourself, but it is focused on the King and His purposes over our lives. We can't find peace in our lives, so we settle for poison. So we're looking for these things, so we, we go on Instagram, we, we, uh, with this, this human desire has been, been hijacked by Adidas and adverts and, and Instagram, and like I said, Wanderlust, and, and, and even the thing of binge-watching, it's, it's, it's the thing, it's, it's a new thing, but it's an addiction term, how many of you know that? Binge-watching, and I'm gu- as guilty as anyone else, you know, there's a, when there's a good series that, at least for Stalin I, uh, The Office, who's friends of The Office? Come on now, we can have a real conversation afterwards. Um, But uh, we were talking to friends of ours, Simon and Amy, and they said they've watched it at least 10 times from beginning to end. And I think we're probably on about our second or third watching. And so I can't believe we're watching it again. And then when we watch it, we're like, oh, this is amazing. So anyway, the thing is, all of these things are put in our lives to replace the thing that God is wanting to put inside of us. And it's a deep, satisfying thing in our hearts. That is what the Holy Spirit does. That is what the infilling of the Holy Spirit does. We, we have a diet of food where we get filled. We have social media that we go and we settle into places of comfort thinking that that is the ultimate thing. But God is wanting to bring peace in all of those places through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Billy Graham says this, Everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not what they expected and they often have recurring defeat in their lives. Christians today are hungry for uh, spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nation, is obviously talking about America today, is men and women who profess Jesus and, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, this is Billy Graham, who is one of the greatest evangelists of all time. He says he goes to churches, he sees people that are lacking something. And I can tell you that it comes through the fulfillment of the infilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's an incredible story of Billy Graham. Um, Just as his ministry started, he went to a church in Wales. The pastor there, his name was Stephen Alford, and he had been filled with the Spirit. And he was just this dynamic preacher, uh, well known in in British uh, circles. And Billy Graham went there and he looked at him and he says, you have something that I want. And he just, and he just says, like, what is it? And he says, I'm, I've been filled with the Spirit. So the two of them meet together and they start to cry out one afternoon. And they start to just speak out to God. And Billy Graham says, I want to, I want to pour out my life before you, God. Would you, would you give me your presence? And at the end of the prayer time they had together, he apparently cried out. And he says, I have it. I have it. I have the Holy Spirit. And they said, it's from that moment onwards that his ministry completely changed. People were getting saved before in the five or the tens, but now they're getting saved in the hundreds and the thousands. There's something that the power of God came upon him, and this is the account that Stephen Alford said. The change in Billy Graham's preaching was dramatic and immediate. That same night, Alford later wrote, Billy Graham preached to a pack house, packed house with the anointing of God. Before he, uh, he was able to give the invitation, people began coming forward. Ultimately, near the whole, nearly the whole audience responded to Christ. Alfred recalled, he says, recalled, my heart was so moved by Billy's authority and strength that I could hardly drive home. And I can tell you that the anointing of God changes everything. And uh, we, this, there can be so much confusion around the Holy Spirit. Where I believe the Bible's super, it is fairly simple. That it just takes unqualified, underqualified people, fills them with His presence, and He changes the world with them. Because then we can't take the glory for ourselves. And God, God and he empowers us, changes us, pulls all this stuff out of us, so we can go and change the world and see the world changed around us. Peter, who was known to deny Christ, said, he said, when they saw the courage, this is Acts 4, 3, 4.13, and they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And I want to just bring a little bit of clarity today on, on who the Holy Spirit is. I mean, first of all, we start, about, start with is that He's a person. He's not an uh, impersonal force that we can call on. And then you sometimes see on these uh, charismatic TV shows and the guy blows in his mic. And then, you know what I mean? The, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Bible says that He's the one that stands alongside us. So Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's a really famous preacher 50, 60 years ago, His preaching changed a vast majority of England. I think he was a Welsh doctor that that ended up just, I forgot the church that he led in London, but just affected the whole nation through his preaching. He says, you can be a child of God and yet not be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So... There's been arguments, I'd say, for the last hundred years on a theological level. Do you get, sal- Do you get the Holy Spirit on salvation? Do you get filled with the Spirit on salvation? it a subsequent different thing that happens. I believe this, and if you look at Scripture, there's a moment where Jesus is standing with His disciples before He died, before He's resurrected. He looks at them, and He, and he blows into them, and he, and he says, Now receive my Spirit. I believe that that's the moment when, this, when the disciples became born again. So when we are born again we get the Spirit of God inside of us. He comes and dwells us. He convicts us of sin, uh, righteousness, judgment. We pour our lives out before Him. You cannot be saved without the the assistance of the Holy Spirit. If you're sitting here and you're a follower of Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit has drawn you and He's pulled you to a place where you're actually going to bow your knee and and cry out for salvation. That is the Holy Spirit's job. But then I see a few pages later, a couple of months later, that Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem, and the power of God is going to come upon you. And then they get filled with the Spirit. It's that simple. So I believe from what I've seen and just listening to some of probably the greatest minds around uh, just charismatic theology and understanding the the Bible as a whole is that it's a separate experience. It can happen on salvation. We've seen that happen in the church. We've prayed for someone. They've given their lives to Jesus. They get filled with the Spirit. You can see that maybe they may be speaking in tongues. There may be something that happens in their life. You can see that they've been Spirit-filled. I can tell you for most people it's a salvation experience and then it's an infilling experience like we see from the end of the Gospels into the book of Acts. And, uh, and uh, the reason I say that is I don't want you to be deceived in terms of thinking, well, I think I've got it. I think I've got the infilling of the Holy Spirit. No, you'll know. The, 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 it empowers you. It changes you. Danae can tell you she grew up in a, a fairly conservative church or very conservative um, where maybe the, the this, this Holy Spirit was spoken about, but maybe from a distance. She's come into this church and been to different conferences, and the, the, she's, she's like probably the most charismatic person in our church now. Um, and I love, I love when she worships behind her. She leads worship even though she's not on the worship team, which is great. So you can see that she's been spirit-filled. If you want to talk to her, she had an incredible moment of how God encountered her, and she spoke in tongues for the first time. And I say this because I want to set this as a foundation for us as a church that we are spirit-filled people. That we cannot do, we cannot step into ministry, we cannot step into our workplaces, CEOs, CFOs, teachers, uh, teachers, assistants, whatever you are, without the infilling and empowering of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us and comes out of us. And, I, and the reason I say this is I want us to, to change some stuff in our minds so we can now learn to, that we can encounter God. On different occasions. I, I mean, Starla had an encounter probably 20, maybe, let's call it seven, 16 years ago maybe. And she was in her early 20s and um, she was just about to come onto a team that was traveling and preaching across the world and uh, like God is using her powerfully at a young age. But she was under this guy preaching. It wasn't the most dynamic guy in the world but she just, the spirit of God fell upon her and she was drunk in the spirit for four days. And I remember I actually helped her to a car. It was the most hilarious thing. Like, actually, no, we didn't. No, she didn't, couldn't drive home. You, have you, have you, you've seen drunk people, okay? There's a thing. It's it's the Bible clearly says that in Acts two they stumbled out of the building, and people are saying it's only nine in the morning. Why are you guys drunk? And they said we're not drunk. We we we're drinking the new wine of the Spirit. And uh, and it happened with Starlux. I think someone had to drive her home. We took her keys away. Then the next day she came to the office. The Holy Spirit is here. I'm telling you right now, I can, I can sense as I began to speak something about that. Um, we, uh, Yeah, the office, sorry. Um, the office the next day, Starla comes into work and then she just falls flat onto her keyboard, just in the spirit. It's amazing to watch. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. But we have to be open to these things. And some of you may come from different backgrounds, maybe a bit more conservative churches. Can I say that we need to get biblical? We need to get back to the Word of God and not let our experience dictate our theology, but the Word of God dictate our theology. And the Word of God says that the Spirit of God will come upon us in power. The Word there is dunamis. We used to play with dynamites, little, little mini dynamites as kids. It's powerful, okay? We, we, one of my friends blew up a toilet at school. It wasn't the cleverest thing in the world. Whoever um, made chlorine bombs, you know, that there's something powerful in an explosion Uh, I never did. I just heard about it. Yeah. It's milk and chlorine and you shake it up. Bruce never did it either. Jesus' ministry says in Matthew 3.11, I baptize, this is John the Baptist talking, I baptize with water for repentance, which we did a couple of weeks ago. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, and if you read accounts of people being filled with the Spirit, some people call it fire. Some people fall it, call it this, the weight of God that rests upon them. Now I can't manipulate this. Uh, I wish, I'm, one of my greatest desires in my heart as a minister of God's Word is that I operate more in seeing pe- people filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, is a, it is a great, great desire in my heart. Uh, and I, and we have people come like Joel Ramsey come in, and he had some crazy encounter with God, and he just prays for people, and they get filled with the Spirit. I'm like, Jesus, I want that. And that's a good thing to want, because I've seen what the Holy Spirit does in people's lives. It clears out so much stuff out of our lives. It puts our focus on Him. We get filled with Him, and we are different. We begin, begin to look different, act different. Acts 1 verse 1, let's quickly turn there. I'm going to read 1 verse 1 and then I'm going to go to 4. It says, In, my first, in the first book, O I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given the commands through the Holy Spirit and the apostles that he had chosen. It's amazing that it starts in Acts 1, which is the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. In my first book, O so Luke is writing. Luke wrote the, is a doctor. He wrote the book of Luke. Which you have a doctor who's a smart man who went and looked at all the different angles and wrote an account of Jesus, one of the gospels, one of the good news of Jesus Christ. And then he wrote a second part because he traveled with Luke, traveled with Paul, and he met some of the, uh, the early apostles. It says, in my first book, Ophiopolis, which they believe is a lawyer, I've, I've dealt with all Jesus began to do and teach. But then you look at the, the book of Acts. And you get down to Acts 2. And the power of God comes upon the people. Then it comes upon in Acts 4 again. And then it, goes, it comes upon an Acts 10. There's the Gentiles that get filled with the Holy Spirit. And eventually the gospel is going out across the whole world. And it's not happening through superior intellect. It's happening through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And somehow the church set and try to make theologies that discount the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that is, and I can say this from the front, it's false. It's false doctrine. They can believe it all they want. There's no proof in scripture that the, the acts of the apostles, that the work of the Holy Spirit ever stopped when, the, when we got the Bible as the canon of scripture. That is an argument that's not even in the Bible. And we need, to, we need to block that out of our minds because then we realize that actually that blows everything open and say that the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life right now and empower you to walk out this gospel in power. Amen. Everyone who follows Jesus says, says he'll do greater things than Jesus. we will heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. I can't do that on my own strength. We don't have that. We don't have that. That is, that is something that comes when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And I want to see us as a, as a community that are spiritful, that can go into the workplace, and you can lay hands on people, and people manifest demons, and you can see the kingdom of God break into your workplace. It was said of the disciples that they turned the world upside down. That's how, the, then you can't do that on your own. You can't change governments. You can't change to the point where after 300 years, they literally saw the whole known world come to follow Jesus, or at least from, from, a, from a governmental level, they, they kind of instituted Christianity, where 300 years before they were worshipping pagan gods. Jesus came and changed everything by His power. Something about the Holy Spirit is that he bap, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. The word baptism would have been known very well in those days, but it's to be fully immersed. Now, I'm not, I would love for Ryan to stand here and I pour water all over him, and you'll see how anointed he is. Um, but if you can imagine that Ryan's dripping, if, 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 if you come out of the baptism waters, you're dripping with water. And that is the picture that, they want, that the writers want us to know about when you're filled with the Spirit, you're dripping with the Spirit of God. That you are filled with the Spirit of God. From your inmost belly, from the inside, the outside, all around you, you are filled with the power and the presence of God. Some of the words, and if you look at every time you see the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, it's never a noun. It's always a verb. It's always a doing word. It's always an active word. Being baptized in the Spirit, you can look at different words. It's the clothing It's the pouring out, it's the receiving, it's the infilling, it's the gifting. Paul writes and says that we need to be filled with the fullness of Christ in our lives. And I don't know about you, when I start to read stuff like that, I'm like, God, my Christianity is not there yet. I want it to be. I want my Christianity to, to, to be so drenched in the power of the Holy Spirit. But and I said in the beginning, but we so fill ourselves with so many different things and different priorities that the infilling of the Holy Spirit is like, oh, we don't in Western culture we don't actually need you, God. But we need we need to repent of that stuff and, f- and face our eyes towards Him. Some of you may not like the scripture, but it's in the Bible. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. You can replace that with any. Do not get high on drugs. Do not get uh, filled with society, with pride, which leads to debauchery. It leads you to, to leaning away from God. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And the word be filled there is not just once. It's present continuous. It's, it's, it happens at an event, but it happens again. And I can tell you, I've had say, five or six moments in my life where I, cl- where I know clearly that the power of God came upon me. Sometimes it's a bit more gentler. Sometimes it's just in the morning I'm getting a little top up. And I think the picture around there is that we actually do leak. We need to be full. we jars, that, that, jars of clay. We may have some cracks that are going through us. We've got, st- we've, we, there's the, the power of God. You can have, that's the thing. You can have this incredible moment with God then the next week you're struggling with the same area of, in your life because we need to be constantly being filled. If you look at the Roman culture, it says you don't get drunk on wine. The culture of the day, they used to have a thing called the symposium, which was basically an eating and drinking party until you vomit and pass out, which in Dubai we call a brunch. And um, I don't know if, ever, if any of you have ever been to a hotel at about five o'clock, and you, just, and you walk in, everyone's just kind of walking out the hotel, like, and it's just not pleasant. The toilets are full of uh, stuff you don't want to see. And... Um, and this is the thing is in, in in society, through the influence of Christianity, even in this region, there's a definite level about like what is good and what is bad. Like you can't be like that all the time. Whereas in Roman culture that was celebrated debauchery, I mean, I don't even need to describe that. That's just going to the the nth and the nth and the nth of sin, where they just carried on for hours, drinking, and there was just this perpetual cycle. And it says, so what started to happen in the early church, people would get saved, but then they started, they'd have communion together, but they'd get drunk on the communion wine. That's why we don't serve wine in this church, (laughs) because it'll be be an interesting uh, communion moment. But it says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead, it says, instead, find your satisfaction in the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And so it's just interesting that the spirits is called spirits, don't you think? Like you can be filled with the spirits, or you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, they were given something in Acts two, and they were given power. And if you look at if you if you look at the narrative of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the, the people are normally described as quite weak struggling, the disciples are struggling in their faith. Peter walks on water for a few seconds, falls, has lack of faith. Read Acts, after Acts 2, these men and women were filled with the power of God. Acts 7, Stephen comes onto the scene. Acts 6, before that, actually Stephen came onto the scene first. And they're saying, listen, we need someone to wait the tables, to be the first deacons, to be the first servers. And then what is the prerequisite to serve? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here you have Stephen who basically was waiting on tables for those who weren't getting the the rations of food. The next chapter he's standing in front of the religious of the day. And he's just basically quoting scripture and saying how you guys have missed it. And they ended up killing him and he becomes the first martyr for Jesus Christ. Because he was filled with the spirit of God. God wants to take ordinary men and women like you and me and fill us with his presence. Fill us with his power. Growing up, I never thought I'd ever do this. I thought I would do other things. God filled me with his presence. Encounter, I had an encounter with Jesus time after time. And he kept pushing me forward and saying, Dan, there's more for you. There's more for you. And I believe God's saying it this morning. There's more for you. There's more for you, Rom, Johnny, Bruce, Tara. There's more. There's more that God has for your life. Pentecost came, the Spirit broke out. So how do you know that you're filled with the Spirit? So I'm going to talk about how we get the Spirit at the end, but how do we know it's that we have boldness. The Bible clearly speaks about prophecy. That's one of of the clear things. um, There's prophecy, speaking in tongues, the gifts get given, but that for me all just comes down to hearing God's voice and communicating with our Father. So when you're filled with the Spirit, there's a deeper sense of you knowing and understanding God's heart. There's, that's just what happens when you get filled with His presence. There's a deeper love for Jesus. I, I told you two months ago, I was sitting, three months ago now, sitting at the top of a banister in a, the Royal Albert Hall, got filled with the presence of God. I was so in love. I am still so in love with Jesus. But in that moment, it was heightened. There was just like, oh God, I love you. I love you. And there's nothing more that I can say, but I love you. I love you. And I poured out my heart towards Him. From that, there's a deeper love for others. If you if you can't profess this like undying love for Jesus but then have issues with your brother and sister, have issues with someone at work, treat people badly. That that is the opposite of the gospel. I can say A you haven't got the gospel and B you don't have the Holy Spirit. If you if you feel like oh, I'm just have this great relationship with, with God, but it doesn't reflect into others. I met with a guy after the first meeting, his first time second time in church probably ever in his whole life, he goes Wow, there's there's just such a, uh, and it's his language, such a positive energy here and everyone's so friendly. It's like, yes, we're getting something right. The Spirit of God is moving. Your life starts to reflect the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, patience. Who struggles with patience? My hands, both hands up. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Gentleness is a sign of the Spirit. People think in the world, gentleness is a thing that is frowned upon. In God's eyes, it's a powerful thing. Gentleness and self-control is a key thing. We begin to see the the power of God moving in our lives. Assurance of faith. There's a deep sense of peace there, and you know that you know that you know that you are saved by God. Charles Finney, one of the greatest evangelists of the, I think, the 19th century um, he had an, an, an powerful encounter with God. He wasn't expecting it. And he says this. He says, um, He says, I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come uh, in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. And the thing is, everyone's going to encounter Jesus in different ways and encounter the Holy Spirit in different ways. But can I say, just surrender your heart. Surrender your will to him. Say, God, I, I, I need more. I need more of your power and your presence. John Wimber, who's heard of John Wimber? Come on, there's to be more. John Wimber, okay, like three of us. Anyway, John Wimber, he's one of the great um, uh, guys in the 60s and 70s that was on the forefront of charismatic renewal. He, bought, uh, he got saved by reading the Bible. He ended up going to a church. Uh, clearly it wasn't a spiritual church. And, and he goes there and he starts to read the book of Acts. He reads what uh, Jesus did. And Jesus says, we'll do greater things. And anyone who believes will heal the sick, raise the dead. And he goes up to one of the elders and he goes, so when do we get to do the stuff that's in here? Yeah. And the the guy looks at him, what do you mean by stuff? He says, yeah, I like healing people and seeing people saved and all that stuff. And he goes, the the elder said to him, which anyway, he's got a wrong theology. He said, we don't do that kind of thing anymore. And he he, anyway ended up leaving that church, thankfully. And he he found Jesus and he ended up starting a movement called Vineyard. They planted uh, thousands of churches across the earth. A great worship movement that went, I think, in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And, uh, and it, was, it was a focus on the empowering of, of the Spirit of God that we're all meant to walk in in our daily lives and walk out into the world. And, uh, and just a radical thing that happened there. So can, we, can I ask the worship team to come up? We're going to sing a song at the end. Um, you guys can come so long. That's great. So how do we get the Spirit? We've got Him, of course, through salvation. Some of you have been filled with the Spirit, and That's great. You may or may not speak in tongues. That's, that is a sign, but it's not the sign. I think there's other signs that speak about uh, being filled with the Spirit. If you desire tongues, ask God for it. There's people in our church who desired it for a very long time, and eventually God heard their cry and, uh, and gave it. But how do, we get the, how do we get the Spirit? First of all, if you're looking biblically, we pray. They were all together in one place. Secondly, we get hungry. We're fasting from the 4th to the 6th of November. One of the main key things that I want to pray is that we get a hunger for the Spirit of God in our lives. Above intellect, above being satisfied with so many things in this world, we actually put, a, put aside our hunger and we say we're going to focus on Jesus and we want to have more of Him. Get hungry. How else do you get hungry? You, you take away things in your life that are wasting your time. Start the day well. Put the phone on the other side of the room. Or, or For me, I've got, it's getting colder now so I put my AC even colder I've got a little blanket early in the morning and I'm reading my Bible and my phone's tucked on that side I can't see it I know like 25 minutes after my quiet time so going to text me and say can I have some coffee and I just know that but at least I've got a little bit of a section where I'm just focusing I'm focusing on Jesus and I'm focusing on do whatever you can to, t- to start the day right win the day through those things the second uh, the third thing is wait we're going to do that a little bit at the end we've got a bit of time we're going to wait on him and see what God wants to do. The Holy Spirit is here and is working. Um, ask. In Luke eleven thirteen, it says, "If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him?" How much more? God is not waiting to give you a bad gift. The Bible says that His Spirit comes without measure. It's not like he's okay, well he's filled wrong this morning. Does he have enough for me? No. He has enough for everyone and he wants to fill everyone and he wants He wants to come to every part of your life and that leads into the next thing is surrender. You said, God, I surrender this morning. And I do it in worship. I, like sometimes I'm not feeling anything and that's fine. It's not about feeling but it is also about feeling. So there's two sides of the coin. So <laughs> God I surrender my heart to you. I give everything over this morning, I bow my knee You are king Father just wash me clean from stuff that happened in the week Confession of sin It says in 1 Thessalonians Do not quench the spirit And I believe that there's stuff in our lives If we either don't confess it to God or confess it to others And I think it's in 1 John or James And it speaks about that we confess our sin to God But we confess our sin to others for healing there's a powerful thing that happens, and what, what can happen is the river of God just floods in that moment. That's why repentance is so key and so powerful. John three verse thirty four says, um, "For he who for he whom God has sent utters the word of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure." Can we stand to our feet? If we're going to spend a bit of time waiting on God. Then we're going to sing, Holy Spirit. Is that correct? And um, but can I just encourage you? What it, just just surrender your hearts Him this morning. Any preconceived ideas that you've grown up maybe around understanding who Holy Spirit is. He's a person. He's close to you. He loves you. He walks alongside you. So let's just close our eyes together. So Father, we thank you that you're here with us. The love of God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just come right now and you just begin to just
1: enter into people's hearts.